but we just want to see people more and more sort of step into their their gifts and, and inspiring others. So uh, and and I have to say too that like we have studied the scriptures long and hard, and the conclusions that we come to is that. Um, God's heart is for women to step into whatever they would want to step into when it comes to leadership and teaching and ministry, and and we want to be uh, help facilitate them step in the fullness of their um, their calling and their passions and their gifting. So, but today they're going to share a little bit about mothers and faith and God and life. And so, let me introduce our first speaker. This person has just a wonderful love and a commitment to Jesus, and we're all really looking forward to seeing where God leads her. It's the lovely Anae Haythorn-Thwaiten. Did you want to stand up here a little bit? There you go. Hi. Hi, my name's Anae, and I just wanted to have a chat to you about my mum and how she's helped me in my walk with God. I've learnt that God's good and has a marvellous plan for my life. I've learnt a lot about God's goodness from my mum, mainly in two ways. One, from what she has taught me, or two, from what I've seen or observed. Mum has taught me to read and explore the Bible by myself and encouraged me to read the Bible more often. She has also given me several books. Each book has helped me to understand the Bible more. She has also given... uh, And often she would sit me on her lap and tell me all about how God created the world and how he loves us and will forgive us of our sins. The other way I've learned about God's goodness is by watching and observing my mum. My mum has been kind to me the way God has been kind to all of us. And when I am with mum, I feel safe and secure just like when I'm in the Lord's presence. I also wish I could handle such stressful situations as mum, being a mother of seven kids and all. Happy Mother's Day, mum. I love you. Thanks, Anae. That was great. All right. So our second speaker is an intern at Coast Vineyard. Many of you will know her. She's only got six weeks of her internship left to go. So we're um, getting ready to break out the hankies and everything when she she finishes there. But um, she's delightful. She's hardworking. She's just in this wonderful journey of... uh, Stepping more and more to all that God has for us. So um, come on up. Tash Vortier. Thank you. Um, So yeah, good morning. As Matt said, my name is Tash and I'm an intern um, here at Coast. And about a week ago, Matt asked me if I would be keen to speak at the Mother's Day service. And at first, I wasn't, um, I was a bit unsure and not super keen. Um, so I asked if I could go away and pray about it. And I was at the beach one day um, asking God if um, this was something I should do. And he gave me a picture 
of myself sitting at the back on the bleachers watching the person who would have taken my place and feeling like I'd missed out on an opportunity. Um, plus, I get to speak about my mum, so why not? Um, so yeah, when I first started writing this, I really wanted to find... A, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I um, wanted to find a verse that was for my mum and it just described described too well and I found this verse and I think it sums up my mum okay I think it sums up my mum really well and it's Proverbs 31 verse 10 to 31 a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. I can't see. <laughs> and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings and she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchant with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh on the day to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And I just think this verse is beautiful, and it represents and commends how incredibly hardworking, supportive, loving, and important women are in our lives today. And I think that quite accurately explains how incredible my mum is, and I am so thankful to have her in my life. So to finish off, I've written a letter to my mum. Dear mum, thank you for always supporting me for picking me up when I am down and celebrating me when I'm happy. Thank you for staying up till 1am with me on many occasions so that you can proofread my essays and then getting up early to come and watch me play netball. Thank you for encouraging me, loving me, shaping me into a strong young woman that I am today. Thank you for supporting me when I decided to not go to uni but instead take a gap year and head overseas for four months. I cannot thank you for this enough, as this has been one of the most incredible experiences yet in such a pivotal time and where I really growed in my relationship with the Lord and really made my faith my own. 
Thank you for never comparing me to my sisters, but letting me take my own journey and create my own path to find who I am. Thank you for helping to build an incredibly strong family where we can feel free to be who we want to be and constantly feel loved and supported. Thank you for supporting me as I church hunted for a few years until I found a place that was right for me and that I could call my home. Thank you for being there for me last year when I would constantly come home feeling unhappy and out of place and so lost and felt like I had lost my light. And then thank you for supporting me as I took this huge leap of faith and became an intern here at Coast Vineyard. And I think we can both agree that that has been one of the best things that happened to me as it brought that light and passion back. And finally, thank you for bringing me up in a Christian home where I felt safe and was able to grow in who I am and my relationship with the Lord. Thank you for inspiring me to keep the Lord in the centre of all things. There is a verse in Isaiah 66, verse 13, and it says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And this verse reminds me of something that you've always told me, and that is that if I am ever afraid to call on the name of the Lord, and he will bring you peace and comfort. And this is just like you, Mum. Whenever I need you or are upset or have had a bad day, you're always there to talk and comfort me. You bend over backwards to help make sure that we are okay and are able to live a best life possible to our full potential. You love and care so deeply and compassionately. When I look at you, Mum, I see how God loves his children. Just like you, he is a constant in my life, always there for me, constantly helping me to grow and become a better person. You show me what it is like to be safe in our Saviour's arm and to love and be loved by him. You constantly pour out love even when I don't necessarily deserve it. Just like God, you forgive me when I do wrong, but encourage me to not make the same mistake again. Without you, Mum, I wouldn't be half the person that I am today. So thank you for inspiring me to strive to be a strong, godly woman, woman like you, for being a constant supporter and encourager in my life, for helping me to grow in my relationship with the Lord, and most importantly, for loving me unconditionally. Thanks, Tash. You made it. Well done. All right, our next speaker is the mother of two, mother of three-year-old Davy and seven-month-old Lucy. Please welcome Mrs. Annalise Phipps. Good morning. I promised myself I wasn't crying because I swear I do that every time I've got the microphone. But I've already been crying, so I, I have to retract on that promise. But um, that's one thing that um, is awesome about women is that we're not afraid to show our emotions just like God, hey? Um, I'll claim that. Um, so I just want to um, pay a little tribute to mum. And I also want to share with you um, something I've learnt in my short three years of motherhood. It was sitting on the couch at home with mum where I first encountered the Holy Spirit. That's my favourite memory. Here I go. <laughs> I grew up in church, loved church, loved all the churchy things and churchy people, but it was mum who discipled me and it was mum who introduced me to Jesus. Home was my favourite church. It was mum who was like the first Jesus I ever knew. She extended grace to me freedom from shame and condemnation and unconditional love. It was mum who showed me what unpretentious faith looked like. 
the kind where you're real, raw, and vulnerable before God, where you can invite him into all the gory realities of life into. It was mum who demonstrated to me utter dependence on God, where he was the only hope for finances, a job, and a home, and then shared with us the joy of God's miraculous provision. It was mum who knew me so well. She knew that I'd connect best to God in music and singing and dancing. So she used to book out a spare room for me at our local church so I could have space and privacy to worship God like I like to. It was mum who prayed for me and generations on for me every single day and still does. It was mum who spent countless hours praying and singing with me when I needed peace and healing. It was mum who showed me the thrill of serving Jesus and belonging to the kingdom of God. She showed me that I could hear from God and I could see God in all things. And she honoured my contributions to the kingdom. It was mum who continually spoke life into me, reminding me of my identity in God and who he created me to be. It was mum who taught me that there is no problem which we can't take to God. Every single concern, big or seemingly small, is worthy of inviting Jesus into Even now, she'll remind me and she'll say, take it to Jesus, Annalise. Mum has discipled me from day dot to live a life in Christ and with Christ, and she continues to. Of course, right alongside, Mum was Dad. Dad who prayed, Dad who led, Dad who championed and who validated. Dad who empowered and who rescued and who faithfully served. I swear when you have babies, you just cry all the time. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's hormones. (laughs) Mum would be the first to say that she wasn't perfect. But mum wasn't too proud to show us that Jesus plus our mess equals something very, very beautiful. She gave her family the greatest gift of all, introducing us to our saviour and the only constant in our lives, Jesus. I really hope that I can make a beautiful family, beautiful home for my family like she did for us. As for me, the biggest lesson in motherhood so far has been adjusting to the slower pace and more hidden nature of the season. Becoming a mother three years ago was a significant jolt to the pace of my life and sense of identity. Having gone from a dynamic career where I felt validated and appreciated to a relatively quiet, private, slow-paced life still is a challenge. I can't exactly say that Davy is a slow or quiet, but you get the picture. <laughs> I know how precious this season is, but still at times it's felt like my life has been on pause. You might also feel like you're in a similar season where you've had to push pause or pull back, or you feel like you might be waiting for the next season. Perhaps you're at university and you feel like you've been at school and now you're at uni and you've just been studying forever and you just can't wait to make your mark on the world. Perhaps you're recently retired and you've gone from a productive public career to having a much smaller, less busy world. Maybe you've been forced to stay home due to chronic illness and you're frustrated with having to say no all the time. In one way or another, We'll all have times in our life where we have to retreat. But I'd like to encourage you that in these phases, we have a marvellous invitation to grow in God. 
I think it's easy to put our sense of security in external things, our job title, how much we've achieved or travelled, how busy or interesting we are. But at the end of the day, all that falls away and it's just going to be you and God. It's just going to be me and God. So these moments in our life where we are forced to pull back and retreat are actually incredible gifts for us to recalibrate and remember the most important thing. I think God wants us to treasure these seasons, to abide in Him, to remain in Him, enjoy, grow, learn, watch and serve others, to not despise the days that might seem small because in actual fact they're very significant and the biggest of all. The very best gifts and gold and growth in life are in these seemingly slow and hidden seasons. Think how Jesus spent most of his life in obscurity. The Gospels are all about the incredible world-changing ministry that he had, but that was only three years of his life. We really don't read anything of the day-to-day happenings of of him growing up. We don't read about his home life, his training to be a carpenter, how he played with his mates and his siblings, the daily choices he made. But it was those 30 years that we don't read about where he grew in his relationship with God and grew into his calling. He wouldn't have had his world-changing ministry were it not for him choosing to grow in God every day for the 30 years prior. Most of his life was private and unseen, and I'm encouraged by this. I love what Alicia Brick-Holay says in her book, Anonymous. From God's perspective, anonymous seasons are sacred spaces. They're quite literally formative, to be rested in, not rushed through. Unapplauded, but not unproductive. Hidden years are the surprising birthplace of true spiritual greatness. Unseen, unapplauded, but not unproductive, and certainly not unimportant. So I want to encourage you to treasure your hidden, slow anonymous seasons, whatever they may look like. And if you're not in one now, you certainly will be one day. (laughs) Thanks, Annalise. All right, our next speaker is mother of seven kids. She's a mother of a 20-something, teenagers, primary schoolers and a preschooler. She works as a teacher and she's part of our pastoral leadership team. Please welcome up Mrs. Rachel Haythorn-Thwaite. Oh dear, (laughs) it's a lot to to cope with, isn't it? This morning, one of my cards said, thanks, Mum, for being a great situation manager. So (laughs) I thought, phew, (laughs) okay, thank you. (laughs) At least they can see that. Um, So good morning, everyone. This morning, I was asked to talk to you about um, any part of the goodness of God that I have experienced as being the mother of teenagers. Hmm. (laughs) I think the very nature of being a mother lends itself to one of continual growth from the minute they're born till I'm sure the minute we go to that wonderful place. (laughs) Um, And it's learning and it's continual growth. And I always say how sorry I feel for our firstborns because they really are our guinea pigs. (laughs) 
And um, I'm thankful my firstborn often says, oh, don't worry, mum, when I say sorry to him for something. Don't worry, mum, I know I'm your guinea pig. So um, extra tough skin they must have. You know, I started off mothering with grand ideas. So this morning I'm actually going to tell you um, some great paradigm shift I've had in my mothering over those years. So I have my first child is about to turn 21 in the next week, and our youngest is five. Um, So I started off with grand ideas. Mothering was my biggest dream, and it was to be my chosen career, which sounds strange in today's day and age, um, but nevertheless... I embarked upon motherhood reading all the books, like all the books next to the bed, um, doing the courses and just generally learning as much as I could about being the best mother that I could be. I was going to be equipped. And by all accounts, things went quite well. My first four slept through under six weeks. Not the next three, but the first four did (laughs) under six weeks. And I was feeling pretty good about how things were going. They looked right. I felt like I was doing things right. And it looked like that all that studying and research was paying off. This reminds me a bit of what it was like when I made a decision to follow Jesus at 14. You know, I was full of fervor and I was full of hunger and desire to know this God that I'd decided to, you know, orient myself towards. And so I'd study and I'd read. I'd get all excited about every little thing. And I wanted to know what I should be doing to do this following Jesus thing. Um, the best way that I could. And I grew, and I learned things, and by all accounts, I was doing it right. God is good, isn't he? In the midst of our immaturity and our lack of wisdom and knowledge, he begins to weave the story of our lives, teaching us, guiding us, and allowing us to learn from the life situations that we find ourselves in. So by all accounts, this mothering thing with its structures and its purpose, its how-tos and its how-shoulds that I'd sort of been working on, they they were all working. I had decent, well-behaved children. I had children who were respectful and could do and say the right things. I was, and I still am, so very, very proud of them. The thing is, these children, one by one, and seemingly overnight, became teenagers And with four children in five and a half years, plus another three, there have been teenagers in our house for the past seven years, and there will be teenagers in our house for another 15 years yet. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah. Teenagers are great. I actually love teenagers. In fact, being with teenagers makes me feel, it sort of touches that inner teenager within me brings out the cray-cray a bit, <laughs> but I love that. Um, with teenagers, though, comes opinions. With teenagers comes the beginning of a whole new level of eating, especially teenage boys, of shopping, of mess and laundry, and a whole new way of communicating. With teenagers comes the stretching of wings in directions that I may have never contemplated flying before. It was over this time I began to see that although my children were still respectful and well-behaved, I didn't seem to have the closeness of relationship with them that I thought I would have. I began to wonder where all the books had let me down and why these rule-obeying, lovely children didn't necessarily want the closeness that I did. Not an overbearing, got to stick with your mummy sort of closeness, 
but a closeness that lets them rest in the safety and security of knowing that no matter what, I will always love them and be there for them. I felt that although I professed unconditional love, that oftentimes my love would have hidden conditions and expectations. So I found myself in this place where this hurtful realisation really, it could crush me or, and the past 15 years of my hard work and all my courses and all my reading, or I needed to find another way to find the connection or the attachment that I was looking for and that I ultimately knew to be whole people my children needed. You see, I've come to believe that it is in having this unconditional loving attachment that we are able to have the courage and strength to mature and to forge our own way as secure young adults. You see, the scary thing with unconditional love is that it has no conditions. It can't be measured. It can't be ticked off in a box. It isn't prescriptive or looks a certain way. It is often left field and needed when we least expect it or when we feel like we are able to give it. So through wrestling with this massive paradigm shift, and there's so much more I could say, but I was only given six minutes, so <laughs> I could go on for a while. Um, through, so for me, this was a really big paradigm shift because although I could say the words, the, I had to let go of a whole lot of stuff that I had, had thought and amassed in, in my understanding of being a mum. So through wrestling with that paradigm shift within my parenting, I came bang smack up against the concept that this is really a reflection of my relationship with Jesus. I would have talked about Jesus' unconditional love. I always said and did the right things, the things I had learned a Christian should say and do. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't trying to be fake. I was just working out my faith very much like I had my parenting in a behavioralist world, judging and commending myself on whether my behavior and my doings were were good enough. But Jesus, in his gentle way, let me see what it is that he has for me. He wants me. He wants my closeness, my relationship, my resting in the security that he holds it all. And my very being is able to trust enough and the unconditional love that he offers. So now it's, no, it's who that matters, not what. Both as I am now on a path to change the way I mother, and as I lean into Jesus and all that he offers and has for me, who are my children, my teenagers? Who am I as I rest in Jesus? I believe that out of our being known, flows all the other things that we so desire our children to do and be. And indeed in our own lives, our respect, our good behaviours, our good works, these are all the overflow of a whole connected heart and life. So my encouragement as we continue to uh, together to learn what living our relationships from a place of attachment and connection and love looks like is to focus on the who and not the what. When the who is safe and secure in the attachment of being loved and known, they have so much more to stand on as they grow and develop and become the children that your heart has always longed for. I was asked, I was at a conference last year and I was sitting in front of this lady who was bouncing this little baby on her knee and if anyone knows me well enough, I have a little thing for babies. Um, (laughs) 
And so I turned around and I got talking to her and it was her first baby and she looked quite tired and, and the baby was about 15 months old. And I just got talking to her and she was asking, we were asking about children as you do and all of that. And she looked at me and she said, after she's, I sort of said, you know, I have seven children and explained a few things. She said, have you got any advice? Oh my goodness. All the things flew through my head. And I thought, what do you tell somebody when you're sitting there and you've got one minute? And I really felt like God just said to me, tell her to stay connected. So I looked at her and I said, I thought, you know, I thought I could have given her sleeping advice. I could have given her feeding advice. I could have given her all sorts of advice. And I just looked at her and said, you know what? He's this little 15 month old. I said, just stay connected. Any way you can, just stay connected. Because it's, it's easier when they're little, but as they grow and they develop their own ideas and opinions, sometimes our own ideas and opinions aren't the same. And that's hard. It's really hard. So my advice to her was stay connected. So I just want to finish by um, reading a, a passage out of the message paraphrase of the Bible. It's from Ephesians 5, and it's verses 1 and 2. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love, love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So much good stuff that we're getting from everyone, isn't it? It's really good. Is it good? All right. All right, our last speaker is not only a mother, but uh, her kids now have kids. And so um, when you come on up, Mrs. Lynn Court. Welcome her as she comes up. morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, my name, as he said, is Lynn Court, and Andrew and I have two children and eight grandchildren, mm. ranging from the age of one to almost 20. And on Wednesday, I was walking home along Whangapura Road, and I heard my phone in, the po in my pocket, because it was very noisy with all the traffic. And I answered it, and it was Matt asking me if I would speak this morning. And I was racking my brain. I must have a good excuse why I can't do this. I can think of more now after following these other women. But I could think of quite a few excuses, but none of them were really very good. So I said, yes, I would. But then later I realised that he'd asked me to talk about the goodness of God that I'd seen either in my mum or grandma or as I was a mum. So I thought that's a real privilege, really, to talk about God's goodness. I was born in Bosgill, just south of Dunedin. Um, nobody used to know where that is, but now it's world famous because it's on the TV1 weather map, and it's usually warmer than Dunedin. I've been blessed with Christian parents and grandparents, and their love for God and the church um, has really been passed on to me, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, I had a really... Um, Simple, uncomplicated life. Uh, I didn't have any trauma because the TV was turned off because we didn't have one. I had no disappointment, 
disappointment that I didn't get a cell phone when I was 13. And I didn't have any worst parents scenarios that they wouldn't let me go to the mall with my friends and a wallet full of money. So it was a lot less complicated than it is today. And when I became a mother at a relatively young age, I didn't really have any experience of babies. And we shifted from Christ, uh, where did we live? Uh, Dunedin to Auckland, so I didn't really know anybody. That's when our first child was born, and I realised, like all the other mothers, that they don't come with a personal instruction manual. And we didn't have lots of books. I didn't have lots of books beside my bed because there weren't lots of books on bringing up children. I had Dr. Benjamin Spock's book called The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, which a lot of the old women probably remember. I think it was later proved that it was not good advice anyway. (laughs) So every time that my baby cried, I would look up in the index to see under the subject of crying, why is my baby crying? But uh, what they said never really worked. And then when our children, our second one was born and they were still young, we shifted to Nauru, which is a small island in the central Pacific. And while we were there, one of our children developed a behaviour that I didn't handle very well. And I didn't really know who to ask for help. And for years I suffered the guilty feeling that I had handled the situation really badly and the shame of thinking that I was a bad mum. I think that as mothers we often feel like we must have done something wrong if our children is having trouble or not behaving the way we think they should. And it wasn't until years later that I experienced God's goodness over this. When I finally came to the point of asking him for forgiveness for the way I had handled this particular thing. He not only forgave me, but he took away the feeling of guilt and shame. So it was no longer just a head knowledge. I knew that, but I really felt it. But that's not to say that the feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation didn't return. They often did. But when they did, it helped me to picture it this way. I really see pictures when I'm trying to learn something. Uh, Paul urges us in Romans 12, So take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. So each time these uh, images of shame and guilt and condemnation over this issue would come to me, I would imagine taking those thoughts of shame, guilt and and condemnation captive and realised that those thoughts were actually coming from Satan who wanted to convince me that I was still guilty because he's the father of lies. And I would imagine putting them on, you know those old-fashioned scales, the ones like that, and they've got a thing on either side. And on one side I would put those thoughts. And on the other side I would put the truth that God already shown me, that he personally loves me, and in his goodness he had shown me mercy and grace and forgiveness for the way I handled the situation. And through Christ, he's already forgiven me and taken those feelings on himself when he died on the cross. Now, it's my responsibility, with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, to choose either Satan's lies and accept the shame, guilt, and and condemnation back, or accept the truth of God's forgiveness for me. 
we often have to do this over and over again. I often think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. God could have chosen any young girl to be his son's mother. And I'm sure she would have been a great mum, just like we're great mums. But I like to say, but she's not perfect, you know. She was, she was the mum who lost her son. Not like for three minutes in farmers playing in another aisle. We have the story in Luke 2 where it tells us that she, she didn't miss Jesus for a whole day and it took three days to find him. I don't know about that mothering skill. So it's a comfort for me to know that there's no perfect mums. Anyway, in closing, I've just spent 12 days in Melbourne helping our daughter-in-law with her three little ones, aged six, four and one, while our son has been away doing training for his job. She works three days a week, but she works very long hours. And I was just reminded again in this present day how very busy and complicated lives of mums are today. And I just want to leave you mums with a thought. Just hang in there. In a few short years, your children will have their own children. And that's kind of their payback time. <laughs> For the grey hairs they eventually like to give us. And you'll be a grandma like me. And you can enjoy your grandchildren. But then you can give them back. Thanks, Lynn, and thanks for all of you that have shared. It's, uh, hopefully it's, it's helpful for everyone this morning just hearing uh, wisdom from different, different places, different angles, uh, and that each one of you will have something that you'll be able to take away. You know, Mother's Day, the, the, one of the main reasons that Mother's Day is so big is because the, uh, the greeting card companies... They thought like, yeah, yeah, this is a good thing. Um, so they can make more money. And so uh, it, and then obviously the, the chocolate manufacturers, they were like, yeah. And the, and the florists are like, yeah, it's, um, it's a great idea. And, but like whatever, whatever the reason is that uh, we have Mother's Day, you know, and uh, it's, it's everywhere, it, it was always... A great opportunity to just stop and pause, and uh, and to be grateful. You know, there's, um, you know, we've we've all got our own stories uh, around uh, our mothers. Um, some of you probably won't know, but um, but I was uh, adopted as a kid. So a couple of big reasons that uh, I. And very grateful on a on a day like today is that my birth mum, who I've who I met only probably about a decade ago, um, she was uh, encouraged by a number of people to um, to abort me, and so I'm thinking that was a good decision of hers not to do that. Um, and very grateful that uh, a, a Christian family uh, adopted me. And um, so I think for all of us that, that any time we get an opportunity in life just to stop and pause 
and just to think about the good things that are in our life. And today's the one particularly around, you know, the, the either our mothers or, you know, the mother of our kids. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. And it's important to, uh, to stop and to, and to be grateful, especially, as Lynn was saying, in the, in the busyness of life today. It's a good thing. Why don't we stand together as we, as we close? I'd love to pray for you. Just before I do that, too, I just want to just been feeling the, this, just the sort of the nudging of the Lord, I guess, over the last couple of days. And so I'll put this out here. It may not be the right time, but at least it, it puts it out there. But uh, there may be some people here that are, uh, are wanting to conceive, and that's been difficult. Uh, it hasn't, hasn't happened, and there's all sorts of... Um, emotions swirling around that and um, I've got just a real faith that God is wanting to do the miraculous and, and bless you with you know um, with new life with with kids and you may not feel to get prayer today it may be something that's a little bit um, personal and you'd rather not do that today but if not today then can we connect up and we can get some we can get together and and pray. I just um, uh, have, yeah, I just have a, a real faith in the in the miraculous around this for for you, if that's you. So, so Father, we uh, it's so good to be here. It's so good to um, to have a day where we we pause and we celebrate. Our mums, we pray for those that aren't here, God. We pray that this day would be a day of um, of blessing, God. And whatever that that is looking like, whether it's there's celebration or whether there's there's grief and challenge, God. We pray that today would be a day of blessing. That you would bless people with your presence. You would come near, God. That you would. Uh, you would comfort anyone if, they are, if today is particularly a day um, of grief. God, that you would come near so that just that, that knowledge of your love for them and, and your, your deep uh, uh, heart of, of goodness for people, God, they would know that in the midst of, of everything that is, uh, that is happening, God. And we pray to God for, for all the mums here, God. We pray blessing. We pray that you would strengthen them and give them wisdom as they, uh, as they do what only mums can do, God, in, in, just, uh, in that, um, that role that they have. And God, I pray for each one of us, God, that uh, that today and in the in the, the days of this week, God, that we would know your blessing, we would know your presence, God, that you would uh, you would answer people's prayers, you would answer people's the cries of people's hearts, God, and that you would continue to lead us in your ways, in your truth, and your love, in Jesus' name. Amen.